Welcome back to the Evolution Podcast. Today I have my buddy Ideen Chalangar with me from Vices Fitness to discuss the topic, are you really healthy? And we're going to really dive into the ins and outs of what it really means to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, and and kind of give different perspectives on what we deal with in our individual lives and some things we deal with with clients and how you can use these things to help you move forward. All right. So when you think about health in general, when it comes to yourself, your clients, family members, like what does, what does health mean to you? Like what does being healthy means to you? First thing that the base is, am I healthy enough to do what I want to do at least right now? And then the second layer is, am I on track to be healthy enough to do what I want to do when I want to do it down the road? So for me at the age of 30, it's like, Am I going to be able to coach my kids with sports without having to worry about injuries or being able to be fit enough to move around? And then by the time I get grandkids, am I still going to be fit enough to be able to move around with them as well and feel good and not need help for as long as possible? But so like what guidelines do you follow as far as um, think will label you as like healthy to do all these things? It is a little almost subjective depending on what those things are. But for myself, it's like, First is, at least the ones I can feel right away, like, does anything hurt? If I'm not hurting somewhere, that's always a good thing. And usually something hurts a little bit, but that at least, like, allows me to move a little bit. So I don't have to worry about uh, how long I can run for in a certain day or whether or not I can lift weights. But then be mobile enough to do what I want to do. I'm a tight guy. Like, I'm not flexible, and I just don't have the time to work on that. But if I can't tie my shoes, that's a problem. But I don't necessarily need to be able to tie my, uh, touch my toes perfectly. Like that's not really in something I do every single week. It's being mobile enough to do what I need to do. And then beyond there, just maintaining strength and power output for being able to run, being able to change direction. Like especially if, again, we're using the analogy of me coaching kids in the future. Like I want to be able to demo something without blowing out my Achilles like people in their 30s and 40s do. Like I haven't played an organized sport in four years, but I'll train as though I could play tomorrow just so that I don't end up being that random guy who like blows his knee out the first time you play to pick a basketball game. Uh, and then the other one, uh, which I've always been bad at, and I talk about a lot of my page, is cardio. Like it's the easiest, it's the easiest thing to maintain once you have it, but I've been so bad at it my whole life. And like that's where your energy comes from. I was a lethargic kid my entire life. I still default to that on a, on a regular basis, but in terms of like being energetic and recovering from stuff, like your aerobic capacity is like the only thing that really matters there. Recovering from uh, exercise stress, but also like life stress, your ability to just shake things off. All these processes fundamentally are aerobic. And like, I was bad at that forever. I ignored it forever. And for the longest time I was like, I'm just not one of those people. And then at some point you just can't say that. You gotta be like, okay, I gotta work on the part that I'm not good at. If I wanna be where I wanna be, and, you know, 20, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And so, like, obviously our job, we, we train people and everybody has different ideas of what they think health should look like and what healthy is. And because we have our own image, me, myself, and how I view things, it's almost like I try to get people to see it the way I do is and take it as serious as I take it. But for a lot of people, I'm just realizing, like, that's not reality. It's never going to be that important to them because that's not just on their top of the list, their priorities. But for me, being physically fit is like the number one. And the guidelines I create for myself, for some people, they could see it as unhealthy in, a, in the eyes of people that don't 
work out as much or eat a certain way. They can look at the way I go about my everyday training and see it as like an unhealthy mindset when it comes to fitness, when there's really no guidelines on it. Like there's no right or wrong way to do it. And we're all kind of just like guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so what I like what I'm trying to get at is people that aren't in our industry, how do we get them to know what's like the minimum amount should be doing when it comes to everyday activity, when it comes to like what types of food they should be eating and have them understand like this is like something that's important. It's a good question. I mean, one of the things I've been doing since I worked at Equinox is working with that kind of demographic that like they overwork. They work 10 to 16 hours a day. So they're never going to prioritize fitness because their job matters more. Work 40 to 60 hours a week. I have to sleep a certain amount. I have to eat. I have to spend time with some people. Outside those hours, I can either exercise enough, just enough to maximize those other things, or I can exercise enough to make exercise a major focus of the week. But that starts to pull from hours elsewhere, whether it's hours from your job, hours from family, hours from whatever it is. And people just have to do that math. Like, what are they going to prioritize? Um, and for me, like, I do prioritize fitness, but relative to, I still want to be able to do my job. So I'll always, like, I don't sleep enough because of work, but I'll always prioritize work right now, slightly over fitness. Um, I'll prioritize, you know, time with the people I care about, my family, my girlfriend, my friends, slightly over fitness. But relative to all that, I will still, like, maximize fitness, but it won't overtake those those two areas, work, social, and family will, will pair together. And so what I used to try and tell my clients, I'm like, look, like you have to understand how fitness does help those things. And it shouldn't get in the way. And there's going to be some way we can fit in some amount of exercise, some amount of nutrition, uh, and some, some amount of education around both so that you can continue to enjoy those things and focus on the things you want to focus on from a Sunday through Saturday basis and build that connection of this is why I'm in the gym doing this or this is why I'm eating this way because it helps the things I do care about, which might not be fitness. I've obviously, because I'm in the fitness industry and the way I see things, I've told people before, especially like close family members or uh, friends or whatever, that I, I don't think they're healthy. And saying that blanket without having like data to like back it up or kind of like research to say, I feel like that was kind of like idiotic in the moment. But like I was just going based off what I felt like health should represent and like they should have this type of schedule they should have this type of and and that could be wrong but i think the issue is that there is no there's literally no way of knowing if what you're doing now routine wise whether it's your work life everything you're doing is contributing to you having a healthier life try to get people to see it the way i do is and take it as serious as i take it but for a lot of people, I'm just realizing, like, that's not their reality. It's never going to be that important to them because that's not their priorities. But for me, being physically fit is, like, the number one. And the guidelines I create for myself, for some people, they could see it as unhealthy in, a, in the eyes of people that don't work out as much or eat a certain way. They can look at the way I go about my everyday training and see it as, like, an unhealthy mindset when it comes to fitness, when there's really no guidelines on it. Like, there's no right or wrong way to do it, and we're all kind of just, like, guessing. So what, I, like, what I'm trying to get at is people that aren't in our industry, how do we get them to know what's, like, the minimum amount they should be doing when it comes to everyday activity, 
when it comes to like what types of food they should be eating and have them understand like this is like something that's important. Yeah, I think that's that's something I wish both you and I we could just like inject from our brain into someone that we're talking to his brain where it's like the understanding of how their strength training or their cardiovascular health or their nutrition directly impacts how they feel in that moment. It's so hard to build like even a sentence or a paragraph to tell someone you care about like, hey, you should be doing these things and this is why and have them deeply understand like, on a cellular level why it does improve those things. Um, and I've had that exact same conversation with my dad before. He's, he was the guy that got me into health in the first place. He was lifting weights through his 30s, super strong, had like we have a whole gym in our backyard. He was my soccer coach, all this stuff. And then like just hasn't really worked out like in years. Like he walks a lot, but I'm like – he's going to be the granddad in the future that like wants to be able to play with kids. I'm like, yo, you're, you're not where you were before. You got to kind of work on that. Like you can, I've seen you bend over dad. You're not picking up your right at that rate. You're not gonna be picking up my son in a few years. We got to work on that. But I think one thing we learned through, we had like an, a year long curriculum on behavior coaching for Equinox to get from tier three plus to tier X, which at first is a bit of a tangent, but at first I was a little annoyed by, I wanted to learn more about the science behind things, but then month into the curriculum you're like wait a second like the behavior coaching is what it really comes down to it's not really we have enough information on what makes people healthier it's we don't have enough people who know the tools to change behavior because we can just write down what our family should be doing but that doesn't mean they're going to listen to it and the first step that we always learned about was like you have to meet someone where they're at and Adrell, out of everyone i know no one's where you're at <laughs> so but the other problem is like there's it's like who can you trust because i mean my view of fitness in a way I think so something should be is what worked for me. But there's information I can give people that could help them find their own way. But the problem is, is obviously the, we have the issue with like the media and just grocery stores. Like you can go to a grocery store and go down an aisle that's labeled as healthy and everything in the aisle be unhealthy. And to the everyday individual, they won't know that unless they have someone that's telling them like, this is what this ingredient is. Like, this is what this means. But they, they're thinking, like, I'm grabbing all the stuff that I'm being told is healthy for me, and I'm consuming it, and I'm going about my daily life, and I'm still somewhat not healthy. Like, how is that a thing? Yeah, that's a good question. And I also think, like, people should look at there's areas of the grocery store that just don't change. They don't change with trends. They've always been the same since I was a kid. You have your produce section, your meat section, seafood section, kind of like the dairy section, the areas around the sides that will say you should spend 80% of your time there. The marketing there hasn't changed. A, a package of chicken breast looks exactly the same today as it did 10 years ago, except for maybe an organic label here and there. What does change is those middle aisles, the way they market will change with what's hot. And so if I don't know if you guys remember, but everything that was packaged in the 90s was shiny. It was all shiny. And then when this like health movement came in, the number one way they differentiated between the old stuff and the new stuff was make everything have a matte finish. So then we just got this idea in our brain that if the thing has a matte finish, oh, they've put some more thought into that, made it healthier. But they're just responding to consumers. So it's not really the company's fault. They just listen to consumers and they're like, all right, consumers want less fat, like they said in the 90s. So everything was low fat, higher in sugar. And then consumers switched and they're like, no, 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 like we want higher fat, we want lower sugar. And so they just blast these labels on everything because they're just reacting to the consumer. But at no point is the underlying product that different. It's like, okay, this is still a packaged snack versus what we want most of your food to be, which is the stuff around the outside. I think in general, like just an 80-20 rule because things are going to change all the time is a good way to go by is that 20% of your diet, you can get away with it being bad. Like it, 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 you'll be fine for the most part as long as the quantities are limited. Um, it's whether or not you cross that 50% threshold, which I think I posted this on my story the other day that 
supposedly the American diet is 58% consistent of ultra processed foods. And I'm like, there's a lot of room to come down from 58 before we get to zero. Like you could just reduce a little bit here and there. And it almost like takes out the noise. So instead of saying, I should know exactly what's healthy for me in these aisles, I should know that in general, this shouldn't be where the bulk of my food comes from because I'm going to be marketed in a different way in five years than I am right now. There wasn't a gluten-free label out there 15 years ago. Now everything says gluten-free. There wasn't a GMO-free label out there 15 years ago. There's going to be something else like the new seed oil movement. They're going to say, yeah, they're going to start saying no seed oils and then it's going to go away just like gluten-free did and all this stuff because we're going to figure out again like we have for the hundredth time in the last 20 years that it all comes down to quantity and balance. Like none of these things individually are bad. It's their quantity in the long run. And so in the end, we have to just be honest with ourselves, which is saying, hey, like my quantity of these foods that I'm not sure of is the issue. It's not the underlying foods themselves. And I need to be a little more cognizant about the stuff that doesn't change. Those whole foods around the corner, those being a main source of your diet has, hasn't changed for my entire lifetime. Now, mostly, so understanding, a better understanding of like what it, what does it feel like to live a healthy life on all scans of Mental, physical, like no pain. Like if people understood that more, they would, I feel like they'll make better choices to maintain that. Because a lot of people, they've been sick. They they often feel sick. They often feel tired. Like, And they think this is normal. It's like years and years of this. They think this is the way they're supposed to feel because the food they consume has always been the same. The, from when they've given it to themselves, from their parents were given to them, the food has always been the same. So they've always been tired. They've always been feeling this way so they don't know what it feels like to be kind of script of like toxicity of like the food they eat like the routine they have they don't know what it feels like and that's why i like kind of like the way media is going now it's giving people a lot of like it's almost like tricking them giving them hacks to help them to like find new habits like people hate the cold plants thing i don't mind it because it's it's helping people now you told people like, oh, this is going to do this for you. So now you're interested in something that's going to do that for you. So that means you may be interested in something else that may be better for you. So it's easy to push them to something that's good for them instead of a lot of people demonize it. Like, oh, it doesn't work. But it actually does for some people because now they've like, I've done this. And even if this mentally just stimulating them, it's kind of kind of proving them they can do something for their health. So now when they go to involve in like doing something for their diet or whatever it is, and that's kind of how I go about my like programming and my fitness when it comes to my clients, I get them to like fall in love what what we're doing. So they always want to do it. And when it comes to doing it, they start to realize like, I can't eat that way because I'm not going to have the energy to finish that workout I love to do. Like, and to be, be able to do that is, is important to me. So like, I'm going to start making choices so I can do more of that. So you get people to start like my biggest thing with the whole steak and the kiwi thing. I got people eating more what I feel like <laughs> meat as well, but people eating more fruit. It's like, it's getting people to do things that they wouldn't have done if they didn't see someone do it and they think, oh, he may have gotten results from doing this. Oh, he's, his energy levels are higher. Like, whatever it is that you're able to show them, like, this, this works for me, but it also works for you because you're supposed to nutrition your body in a way that you are not supposed to be tired. I love coffee. I love the taste of coffee, but I don't need coffee every day. I could go without it. Like, I don't need it because I sleep enough. Like, I do the things I need to do to be able to function daily and not have those issues that people have. That makes one of us. I, yeah, I do not get up without coffee, at least right now. I'm a used to be a good sleeper. And just right now, it's like, I can't have the sleep, the work, 
the social life, all that combined. I can't have all those things right now. And the one that's been given up is sleep. But um, yeah, I think that that's like one of the first areas where you would start to notice the effects of eating good and exercising is the energy you have without things like caffeine. And also on top of that, the caffeine works better. I want to add that point. I'm like, I'm 100% not an anti-caffeine guy. I think everyone would rather have their coffee work better, which it does when you eat better, when you sleep better, and when you exercise. And I'm like, that should be your main goal, not to quit coffee, to enjoy it more and get more of a buzz and maybe not eat that second cup or that third or fourth cup if you enjoy coffee. Instead of saying, I'm going to sleep four hours next, I can just have two coffees tomorrow. And I think that's where people get messed up is like, I'm going to use it as a dependence as opposed to the tool that it is. That's what everything becomes. But that's why I like the, is the, uh, when I talk to people about like the steroid thing, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But it's more so what I, what my point of view of it and the reason, main reason why I never really got into it, obviously for like health reasons. But what I found is it just gives people the ability to not be disciplined when it comes like to nutrition, sleep, and routine. So in my mind, it's like, all right, I want to be able to like, so, like, some people, testosterone level is so low that when they take steroids and they take tests, they get to a level that I'm already at. So, it's like, I don't, if I can maintain all the things that I should be doing, the things I should be eating, how I should be sleeping, staying hydrated, then I'm walking steroid anyway. <laughs> so, it's like, it's no point. But I see it the same way when it comes to energy levels and, like, throughout the day, focus like, if you're eating the right stuff that you need to eat, like, you always will be able to focus. You won't be dragging because you had too much of this or too little of that. But that was also what my issue was with, like, alcohol and any type of drugs just that kind of, like, draw you away from who you may need to be in the moment. Mm. Mm. There was a guy at my Equinox who said this once, and I was not. I was training someone else. It was just in the background and just hit me to my core in a way that, like, still hasn't affected my behavior. I still go out. But he was just explaining to the guy next to him why he doesn't drink. And he was like, I don't want to borrow from tomorrow for today. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was it like, God damn it. It makes sense. It makes sense. Because, I mean, that, that's my biggest issue with it is like, I can't, like, yes, what if I want, I want to have fun today. But tomorrow I want to be productive and I want to work out and I want to do all this stuff. And if yesterday's holding me back from that, then we have a problem. So that's why a lot of stuff I just stopped doing is like this this is something that I can do right now and not be an issue yeah. days to come, I'll do it. But a lot of times it's not. It's always, whether you know it or not, it's always dragging on you days oh. to come. Oh, Meanwhile, I take out like a full mortgage from Saturday to go out Friday night, and then I'm screwed from Saturday all the way till Sunday. And I know what I'm doing. I'm like, I took out a 36-hour loan just to have fun for four hours. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's worth it. But, yeah, if you want to like, if you want to have seven days a week of performance, like, you got to at least be consistent with your behaviors to be able to do that. And most people need five, not for like the fitness. You work four to five days and how you perform there is based on everything you do outside of there as far as like how active you are, what you're eating, what you're thinking. Like all that stuff matters and people don't see it that way. So it's like I don't think you need to be healthy for any other reason than to live your life to your full capability. Like so when you think about when I ask the question, like, are you healthy? Think about all the things that fall into that. And even, like, the mental aspect. So when it comes to me, like, physical exercise is, like, my number one. Then from there, it's, I focus more on nutrition. Then there's the mental aspect of it. And then there's, like, the work-life balance of everything. Mm -hmm. And that comes last for me. So that one suffer more than the other. 
But with the physical piece of it, the nutrition and the mental kind of like play off of it. I'm able to be able to be more in tune with those things because of how focused I am with the fitness. It's funny because like it's it, the exact inverse is what I would write for my own word. You just said yours essentially fitness, nutrition, mental health, and then work-life balance. My main focus, at least for now at the age of 30, is work-life balance being number one. And right now it's a little more work-heavy than balance-focused than it was in my 20s when I was going on like three nights a week and kind of just napping between sessions. Now it's like I'm working six, sometimes seven days a week, upwards of 80, 90 hours. And that, like, that's, I'm not one of those people naturally I would like to add. I was a lazy kid growing up. I almost got kicked out of college. We could talk about that another time. Like, I'm not one of those hard workers. It just clicked sometime during the pandemic. Anyways, work-life balance being paramount, like, given I studied exercise science, I know the direct impact of the fitness, the nutrition, and the mental health components that make me better at work-life balance, which is what I try and work on with most of my clients. I'm like, that is the main reason I'm able to do some degree of exercise most days of the week. It's the main reason I actually eat healthy Monday through Friday. It has nothing to do with body comp. I just know that if I overeat at lunch or have a huge breakfast, I'm going to feel like shit and I'm not going to be able to do a couple of sessions. Or I'm not going to be able to make a video or do whatever. It's just going to take my energy down. But the idea of like eating well to look a certain way has just never clicked with me. It'll last for like a day or right before spring break trip. And then I'm like, all right, I just want to have a pizza or whatever. But I can avoid pizza Monday through Friday because I have that deeper understanding of this is going to affect the rest of my day. So that I think is like the baseline for someone whose main focus is Monday through Friday work is like, okay, like you should understand that the fitness helps as it gives you more energy. It's like where your energy will come from. And then your food matters both in, in quality and in quantity. If you have too much food, even if it's all lettuce, you might still get tired from it because it takes away energy from your body to do other things to, di to digest instead. So focusing on quality and quantity to maintain your energy throughout the day, super important. But then also exercise. I think Richard Branson, the uh, well-known billionaire, not exercise scientist, had a good quote on this where he said, he was like 45 minutes of exercise adds four hours of productivity to your day. Not based on any research, but people tend to like quotes from billionaires more than a research paper. And I don't, I don't think the math is perfect, but I think people should impart that like, yeah, you are adding time. You're taking away time from something else, like whether it's spending time with your kids, cooking for yourself, time from work. And if you can at least squeeze it in there. Maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes. You got to look at it like I'm not taking away time for something else. It might add valuable time elsewhere. It's a net positive to my job. I might be able to get my work done quicker if you're one of those people who doesn't have to work hourly. Um, you might be able to do an extra hour work if you are working hourly because you have more energy to do so. You might be more present with your kid or you might end up sleeping better so your sleep is higher quality. So from the exercise side, emphasizing that like it's an addition for most people if you're not doing it regularly as opposed to subtraction time-wise. So, I mean, with all of that, and I, I know because you, you tell me how much you into the drinking and like the, the, how much of that can you actually offset by staying active? Well, not necessarily like not in a way of like out training a bad diet, but how much of that plays into the fact like, are you actually really healthy? So I'm lucky, first of all, there are people out there who they go out for a night, the first thing they need the next morning is alcohol or they want to keep going after it. I'm lucky and I'm in that category where I'll go out for a night, I'll be hungover, I don't want to see or smell a drink for a while, I can just recover. Uh, and then the moment the next day hits, so if I drink Friday night, I feel like shit, Saturday I'll just sleep all day, eat some food, whatever. Sunday I'm good to go. And in part, I recover I think faster because of the training I do, aerobic, like I said earlier, uh, recovery is an aerobic process, so the more aerobically fit you are, the faster you should recover from anything, including a night out. Um, and I'm also lucky that the moment the week hits, I'm like Monday through Friday, 
I have to wake up at 5 a.m. most days. If I have one drink out on a weekday, that'll not just screw up the next day. It'll screw up probably two days after that because I just don't go to bed early enough anyways. So I'm pretty good at like not doing anything Sunday through Thursday and then for either Friday night or Saturday night I'll go out. Um, and in general, the way I look at it is like, we don't really have data to say what I can offset and what I can't, but the difference just in a few years when I used to go three or four nights a week versus now once every two weeks, I just know that I'm probably gonna stop going out even twice a month within the next five years. And so at that point, I'm like, if I make it to 35 without any serious issues and I taper the going out more and more, and then you just stop going out from like 35 to 80 for the most part, you'll be fine. Like our bodies are pretty resilient. Now, if I did none of that and just worked out and ate well, I would definitely be a little healthier, but by what metric, we don't really know. Like you could maybe test my liver, but the liver regenerates, so who knows? Um, my cardiovascular fitness would be probably similar because I wouldn't just do an extra day of cardio. My strength would be similar. So by what metric I'd be slightly healthier by not going out, who knows? But the the main point I still do it is most of the people I hang out with right now are people I either met from a night out or people that we started going out together. And I hang out with these people soberly now, but I wouldn't have met these people had I not gone out. Like We have a huge group of friends that just met because we all went to the same bar every Sunday for a year and we we're just standing next to each other. And now we're in each other's weddings and stuff. Like we're doing sober stuff. We're going into business together. Like some people are like trading clients left and right. And I'm like, that's the underlying thing I look at it for. Similar to what I said about caffeine. If you use caffeine as a tool, to do what it's supposed to do. If you're gonna go out, like get what you're supposed to get out of it. Get the social connection. Don't just go out and like, I don't know, destroy your body and just listen to music till five in the morning, which granted I've done that before too, but like get the real thing out of it, that lubrication, that meeting new people so that you now have people you can hang out with when you don't wanna drink. You can do all those things. And we do have that data, which is like your social relationships matter just as much, if not more as your underlying health markers for longevity. And I'm like, that's my main selling point to myself. But I've always known from the moment I started going out in my, like when I was 18 to 20 that like this stuff tapers. You can't do it the rest of your life. It's gonna, get, it's gonna get infrequent more and more. And you start to get more and more ambitious in your later 20s where you're like, I'm taking my job more seriously. And that means I really can't go out that often if I wanna do what I wanna do. And I think we discussed this earlier. There's nothing harder than trying to be creative with content and being hungover. It's like impossible. It's like a fool's errand. There's just no way of doing it. So that's like, that's my long spiel on that whole thing, but I don't really know if there's a way I can quantify like how much you can offset it. It's more like I'm going to do everything in my power the rest of the week to be healthy. I don't say I would never say I'm offsetting anything, but I'm I'm not letting it accumulate or compounding, and I'm not letting it bleed into the week. And that's and so that's my I guess that's my theory, and I I guess you I've seen it. The flip side is. Most people try to taper off as they get into like their late thirties and their thirty late forties, and most of the time they're left with a lot to do health wise. Mm -hmm. So, but that's bearing that most of them probably wasn't. Well, I mean, from a standpoint of like different clients, they say they were active all throughout that, but they also were partying and drinking all throughout that piece. And as they got older. I feel like at some point it has to be like building a momentum towards like the inevitable of just not being as healthy as you could be. So as you get older, things obviously things well, I don't. But that's why I think it's different when it comes to like if you're like physically active, because if you stay physically active in the same way that you are throughout it. I'm curious to see if you still have the same thing to deal with as people that don't, because as people get older, obviously a lot of people gain gain weight they move less things start stop working 
and they start to have to deal with their health all in one mm-hmm. instead of have been dealing with it throughout the whole process of it. So it's like, yeah, like I used to do this in my 20s. I was still working out, but I was able to look this way. I was able to feel this way. I was able to, but now in my 30s and my 40s, I feel this way. I can't lose weight. I can't. And my thing is like, I think the part of it was that you were building up towards something instead of thinking that you were maintaining it. Like you're all like your health, your body and your health, like there's no way to like reboot is what I'm saying. Everything you do has to is that it's like it's like a car. When you get a car, the moment you put miles on it, you can't erase the miles from the, from the motor. So there's an there's an interesting because and this is what we get insight to with some of the clients I work with who obviously have a lot more financial things going their way than the average person. So that is important to note. That does help, unfortunately, for health. Like they wish we had a different society, but that is an, an important aspect of access to healthcare. But I have multiple clients who did the whole like they worked their ass off their twenties and thirties going out to client dinners five nights a week, gaining weight. Uh, some of them have had cancer. One of them had a heart attack. But then they hit that age, and nobody's gonna, most people aren't going to be able to do this, but they got to their 50s, and they were lucky enough to retire in their 50s. And so they're good like lenses into how much can you actually turn back once you don't have all these things in your way. And honestly, like you can turn back a lot. Like A couple of these guys now look younger than they did 15 years ago, and they're not getting any work done. They're just eating well now. They're 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 working out all the time. Their daily life is now super active too. So it's not just exercise one hour a day. I mean, yeah, they have to like the guy with the heart attack. He might have to take some statins here and there, or might have to take some stuff here and there. But my guy looks far healthier now than he did even twenty years ago. I literally have his original uh, Equinox photo from like two thousand one. He looks so much better now at like fifty nine. I'm like, whether or not like, that'll change what happens in the eighties if he in his eighties if he didn't do all that, sure. But like, we don't really know. But there is a lot you can turn back. And I do think it's important for people to know there isn't this like year that you hit where you can't turn back the clock. It gets harder. The, the more you maintain, the better. But you can, I've seen people turn things around from the age of 50 to 60 incredibly well. And 60 to 70 incredibly well. Where I have this one guy who didn't even start lifting until he was 68. He's deadlifting 235 right now. And I'm like, we thought that you couldn't really add muscle at that age. And the guy is like beefier than I am. And he only started lifting three years ago. I mean, maybe he's on some hormone therapy I don't know about. I, but nonetheless, I would still be impressed if that even works at his age. So I do think like, while it's it's always easier to maintain, especially things like speed and strength, if you maintain it through your 30s and 40s, it's easier. If you never have to lose weight, it's easier than having to lose weight down the road. The longer you maintain your habits, the better. It is important for people to know like you can you can sacrifice a decent amount right now if it's temporary. Work, work your ass off. Like spend your time with your kids when they're young maybe not completely prioritize your health, and then you can still turn back the clock a decent amount. You're never going to be where you would be if you prioritized it from the beginning probably, but you can make a lot of progress on that front. I just don't know if we have any data to be like, hey, if you did if you did everything perfectly from yeah. 20 to 50, would you be in a better spot? Probably, but we don't really know. And that's what I, I, that's what I, I was kind of hinting to, I guess. And like, what are you missing out on by not doing it and maintaining it that way for that time period. Or like, yes, we talked about the physical piece of it. You may be able to reverse the physical view of how you look, change your body, but how much are you changing internally in a sense of, but there are cases where people are older age and diabetic with weight loss, they can become not diabetic anymore. But still the toll that it may have took on their body, actually going through that phase of like, being overweight or being compromised in different organs, like where does that leave you like long-term? 
like when things may happen or shut down, is your body going to be as strong as it needs to to recover from this stuff, having been through everything it's already been through? And that's kind of stuff I think about when I think about, like, me personally letting loose some some things. I'm like, what am I really going to gain out of this long term? Like, I'm, I don't really see the benefit of the drinking piece of it, the going out. And, like, I feel like I'm going to lose something physically long term than I would have without doing it. So it's like I can't really I can't really do it for myself and think that I'm still healthy. I think the moment I would start indulging in that stuff, I would no longer be healthy to my own standard. Yeah, and that's an interesting one because I think if you were like I, – I, if you looked at somebody who drank once a month for, like, five, ten years – there's probably not a single blood marker we could measure that would show them being different than their twin brother who didn't do it at all. Because that's just such, I mean, there's there's a certain amount of things we need to have relative to our body's rate of turnover for it to actually accumulate. And I think that's one area where we've seen a lot of like issues on the internet where they think that like, if you have this one bite of something once a week, by the end of the year, you have 52 bites of something in your body. And I'm like, that's not really how it works. Like there's an intake level and an intake rate and a turnover rate. And for things to get bad, there has to be an outpacing of that intake level relative to the turnover and processing rate of your body. And different substances have different levels. Obviously, the smallest amount is poison. Like any sort of any sort of poison, quite literally, like you still need a quantity to have it, but it can be a tiny quantity and it'll kill you. Versus like vegetables. The quantity you'd have to have before that caused problems, really, really high. Alcohol is probably closer to the poison side than vegetables, but like there is still a turnover rate. And there's a, there's a level below that where you're definitely not being healthy. You're not improving health by having alcohol in any way physically. We have all the data back there. But whether or not like one night out a month really takes away from somewhere you would be other than that missed workout the next day, eh, it'd be hard to say. It'd be hard to say. I mean, it could set you back on your routine for a few days if you haven't done it in a while. And that could make a bigger difference down the road. But just the effects of, let's say, five drinks in a night for you for the first time on your body – I don't know that we know that like you'd be in a different spot 10 years from now if you just didn't have that and you did that once a month. Now, like I said, the things that you could like quantify a little bit better is like, okay, if I drank on Saturday, Sunday's shot, now Monday I'm behind where I would have been both exercise-wise and work-wise, and you can quantify that over a month. And for what your goals are, because you have you work really, really hard, right? For what your goals are, that's the part where I'd be like, okay, you can do the math and say a night out for me doesn't work because this is going to take away from what I want to do with my business, what I want to do with my body. That would make sense to me. But in terms of like where you'd be 15 years from now from a night out here and there, I don't really know that we know that, that like that's going to cause a huge issue. And I'll, so I'll say this because uh, so stepfather smoked probably 30 years, yeah. didn't smoke, stopped smoking Probably 15, 20 years at this point, still got lung cancer. Oh, yeah. So, so it's like, but that in general, I'm just saying, like, yeah. your body, like, at some point, it's like. You're rolling the dice more for sure. Yeah. That we can agree with. It's like, again, we're rolling the dice more, but I think it's important to know for everyone that you're still always rolling the dice. Your body is on a 24 7 basis killing cancer cells. You could just do, you could do everything fucking right. And then one day your body on a cellular level is just like, we didn't kill that one cancer cell. And it just keeps going further and then keeps going further. Now there's a few things we have causal relationships with alcohol consumption in excess, like not in moderation is very bad for you on so many levels. It increases all cancer risks. It's bad for your liver. So it is bad. Smoking, super causal relationship. We have that too much sun exposure. Seems like we have a causal relationship with that and skin cancer. And it seems like with 
high levels of saturated and trans fat, you're at greater risk of cardiovascular disease. There's very few things aside from those that we have like this linear connection with where it's like, all right, if you reduce these or at least limit them or moderate them, you're probably good. Smoking being the absolute number one, never smoke anything, any of your drugs, never. That's what every good doctor will ever say. Um, but in the end, you do everything right. Everything absolutely right. Everything you can, everything that we know, you get the most high, high up-to-date care from the best doctors out there and shit still goes wrong. And you can like try and look for a reason and say, oh, okay, like those snacks I used to have as a kid, maybe I was exposed to that, or maybe there's BPA in my water bottle. And you're like, no, a lot of stuff on a biological level ends up being somewhat random. Like it's not predictable. It's not something you can always prevent. Preventative medicine is more like improving your odds than it is stopping things from happening completely. Yeah. And so of course, I'll add to that point. We know alcohol is rolling the dice more. It's not improving your odds. Definitely doesn't improve your odds. But smoking, that we know as well. But you're still always going to be playing an odds game, and that's the tricky part is that I think some people think that they'll do everything right. They'll take their supplements. They'll get their sun exposure at the right level. They'll go out. They'll meet. They'll, they'll sleep 8 to 10 hours a night, and they're like, I should never get sick. And I'm like, that's just not how it works. It's people who are born sick, and they didn't do anything yet. So it's important for people to know. I'm like, no, that's a definite way to look at it. I don't look at it that way personally because I just I think there's part of me that believe anything I do that's not benefiting me in a health standpoint as far as furthering my health, then I'm doing something to harm it. <laughs> it could be unhealthy. I don't know, but you see it a lot of people as well. They they have like I don't know if they're really unrealistic expectations, but or they have these goals like whether it's fitness goals or um just like overall, just like personal goals where they're working towards and everything else doesn't match. Like you can't yeah. want to lose weight and drink alcohol. It's possible, but it's going to make it really hard. Like it's not, it's not going to be easy and figuring out all the things that's like detrimental to what you're trying to work towards is important. So you can know if you are going to dabble in these things, understand what they're doing to you while you're working towards your goals. Because some people don't see that. They were like, I don't understand why I'm not getting this done or I'm not where I need to be. But there's so many things around them that they're doing that's preventing them from getting there. And they don't see it that way because they don't know how much of an effect it has. Because some people say you should have the balance of having this and this and that and that. But it's like how much of that can you have and still be considered healthy and working towards like a healthier life without actually going nowhere or going backwards. I think it's a part that's super interpersonal. Cause like I said, I'm very lucky where I can go out for a night and wake up and I'm not fiending for like anything. Like I want to just avoid alcohol as much as possible. And some people don't get to have that uh, luxury. And I'm like, there's people who can handle throwing in like a pack of Oreos on a weekend and be fine. They're like, okay, I'm not going to buy another one, whatever. But then there's other people the moment you start adding those in, they just have to have them every single day. And, you have to almost approach them differently where we're not going to have one set plan that's going to work for everyone because people are so different, especially on the nutrition side. Um, but finding out where someone can balance is just going to be it's like relative to them. And it really involves a lot of like almost interview style asking. Like we meet with our clients for upwards of three hours before we start training them. And at that point, we're still not like fully certain of what they're going to do nutrition wise. It's still like a conversation every single time. And one of the first things we do though is, almost like retirement planning. It's like, okay, where do you, how much money do you want to retire with? Now let's work backwards, assuming a certain amount of interest every single year. This is how much you need to save every month for the next 35 years to have a million dollars in retirement, right? 
what we'll do instead is be like, what's your long-term goal? Like, what do you want to be doing when you're 70 years old or 80 years old? I think Equinox is brand name for its infinite potential. And then you work backwards because when people ask for their, if you ask people for their short-term goal, it's almost always like body comp. Like I want to look hot for the summer. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with looking hot for the summer. We all do. Like it's, it's great. And, and I know I preach about how you should focus on like exercise related goals and whatever. It's still fun to look hot. I get it. Um, but asking for someone's long-term goals gives you a better idea of how to approach, how to convince them why they should be doing eating a certain way or reducing intake somewhere else or exercise related because that long-term vision can tell you so much more. And the one I get all the time is like, I want to be, that 70-year-old guy on a tennis court who can keep up with a 50-year-old, something like that. Or I want to be that grandfather who can play sports with his kid or a grandmother who can like teach their kid how to play whatever. And they start to describe this blend of like, they're not diseased, they're not injured, that they're at a comfortable enough body composition where they can move around and that's not an issue for them. Yes, so the, <laughs> the, thing, I want, the thing I want people to start thinking about the most is, are you doing enough for your health in general, as far as your mental health, your physical health, your work-life balance, all the things that falls in those areas, are you doing enough to be, I don't like the idea of maintaining, but like furthering your health to get it better and continue to be able to get healthier per se. I think you're exactly right by not focusing on maintaining. Um, like I think if you are an exercise scientist, strength conditioning, major you can you're so in tune with it that like you can just maintain and not worry about it but the idea of progressing is it ends up being a way to build that behavior when you see improvement as opposed to focusing on like i just want to maintain being healthy it's like okay well while you're doing this maintaining thing let's focus on one little aspect you want to improve whether it's your cardiovascular health whether it's your mile split time whether it's your strength on your deadlift just something because one of the most productive things for getting you on habits is the anxiety of losing some degree of progress. Like I only do cardio three times a week because it took me so fucking long to be able to run comfortably. And if I miss one day, it feels like I took a month off. And that level of anxiety of like not wanting to feel heavy again the following Monday is the only thing that keeps me running three times a week because I am not a cardio guy, but it is a productive level of like, look, there should be something you're progressing. But I think back to one of the things we talked about is like finding out where in their life is their number one focus, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's whatever, and then building everything else around that. Like if you want to be able to play with your kids, you want to be like here, okay, how does strength training or how does cardiovascular training or how does eating a certain way make you better at that thing, not just like look a certain way. That's going to build that lasting relationship with it. And also, this is me personally, I don't think there is a such thing as maintaining. I think... When it comes to like it's when it comes to a certain amount of like living, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I only say that because the moment you stop trying to get better, you're getting worse. I was about to say that's a very it's a profound thing to say because we are always being broken down physically. So you are always fighting degradation if you're maintaining, and if you're progressing, you're at least fighting degradation enough to see progress. But yeah, there is no such thing as maintenance. It's fighting degradation on a daily basis. And that's why I, I ask people, it's like, when, if you're not, if you say, if, you, if I ask you, are you healthy? And you say yes. And I ask you, do you do X, Y, and Z? And you're like, no, but every now and then it's like, then are you really, are you doing enough to be able to be able to keep progressing in a way where you're living a 
healthy, fulfilled life, or are you just below whatever line it is, not doing enough to be able to consider yourself healthy? And I say that because, like, we have no metrics. There's the BMI, which is BS. You know, anybody yeah. that has any type of muscle mass, it, that kind of, like, gets yeah, thrown out of the window. <laughs> exactly. So, but then you have, like, the movement, like, the body image movement that people have now, and they say you're happy. That's all that matters. Happy with the way you look. But, like, there's an aspect of it of, Yes, you can be happy, but you also can be happy and unhealthy. But the likelihood is that you're both because more so than not, nobody wants to be overweight or nobody wants to be that way. And it plays out in like people's actions because it's always something they want to draw attention to or something that they have to highlight about themselves. Because me personally, I don't I don't judge anybody of where they look. If you, My question would be like the metrics, like overall. Like when you go to the doctor and they look at your blood level, your numbers and all that stuff, what is that stuff? Like what are those numbers? And I think if those numbers are an issue, those are the things you should focus on, not the way you look. I think the way you look changes when you start to focus on being healthy overall, but it's never going to be what society wants it to be. It's always going to be what you want it to be. So it's like never focus on the look piece of it, more so like, all right, regardless of how I look, am Mm -hmm. I actually healthy like can i walk up a flight of stairs can i can i um whatever it is you want to do can you do the things you want to do daily without it being a burden on you physically mm-hmm. mentally emotionally like can you do those things and complete those tasks without like it dreading to the next day and you not being able to do other stuff because of it mm-hmm. like that to me is like what i define health as like can you live your life in a way where you don't have to compromise normal things yeah, yeah. I think that's the key there is like, what can you do what you want to do, which is different than what I want to do and which is different than what you want to do. Can you do that? And that's what would define healthy for me. And then the rest is what kind of relative risk are you willing to tolerate? So like, while we have some idea that being above a certain weight might increase your risks of certain diseases like diabetes or cardiovascular disease. I mean, there are people who are okay with living with that relative risk in the same way that I increase my relative risk of getting in a car accident the more often I get in a car. I might have to do that for work. There are some people who are just like, look, like I like this and I like the lifestyle I have. I'm okay with living with this relative risk and I know it. Um, and I'm sure if they get their blood work done by their doctor, they'll get informed by their doctor in that one 18-minute visit a week they ha- or a year they have that they're, they could improve that, but they're being told, or at least I would hope, they're being told about the relative risk relative to where they are. And they might just be okay with dealing with that relative risk. But in the end, like what is healthy for me versus you is what I want to do day to day and what kind of risk am I okay with? So back to that alcohol conversation, when I drink once or twice a month, sometimes a little more in the summer, but once or twice a month, I'm okay with dealing with that relative risk because the trade-off is there for me. I like being social, but for other people, it's not. And for other people, they might not be able to keep it to once or twice a month. And I'd say the same thing from the body composition side, there's only a range of healthy body fat percentage we know. It's not a specific number. For guys, it's probably 10 to 20% where you're in. If you're in that range, you're in a healthy zone. We're fine. There's probably no risk of anything. Women, it's a lot more broad because of breast tissue. Like it can add, the numbers can get from anywhere from 20 to 35 probably. I have no idea. Please don't quote me on that. Um, but in general, it's like when you're outside that risk, you're not like automatically on death's door if you're a little bit higher it's you're increasing your risk of some things. And if some people are okay with that because they can do the things they want to do Sunday through Saturday, that is fine. 
Like their definition of health might be something different than mine. They might actually be sober and they might have that, that, that difference. And they actually might have a lower overall relative mortality risk than I do because I go out. But it's just like that. Like you can increase your risk through activities as well. Like I said, the getting into a car or flying a lot, you now all of a sudden have a higher risk than somebody who doesn't. But we don't tend to look at body composition the same way we do other things that increase relative risk. And I'm like, we should. We should look at it like if I get into a car 15 times a day, my risk is way higher than someone who doesn't. So I'm just willing to take that risk because I need to for some odd reason, you know. I think that's my stupid like analytical brain way of thinking yeah. at is like what's the relative risk relationship that people are willing to take. But that's my view on it. I think that's the way you like kind of land with everyone is just talk to them about what do you want to do day to day? Are you able to do that? If you're not, how can I help you get there? And I mean, I, from my own personal view, it's like, can you <clears throat> actually be like happy and unhealthy? So that's a good question. I do think there's a lot behind perspective on, and this is where I think the, I think the most underrated Huberman episode that should never have gone under the radar, Huberman's episode with Aaliyah Crum on perspective around or perception of stress and how it affects your body on a chemistry level is incredible. Her work in California is absolutely like mind bending in terms of how the way we think affects our body on a cellular level. And I would argue that there's probably a relationship between your perception on the behaviors you do, whether or not you think what you're doing is good for you, or bad for you, and how it actually makes you feel in terms of happiness. Like if you think that, I don't know, skipping a workout is really, really bad for you that day, it's probably gonna affect your happiness a lot more than somebody who's like, no, I only need to work out three times a week. And that actually makes me perfectly happy. But you can't like lie to yourself there either. That's the interesting part about her data is that like you have to fundamentally believe it, but that belief system will change how you feel chemically. It's super interesting. I'm not the best person to talk about it. Everyone should just look at her work, but it's incredible. Like it completely changed my view on everything to the point where I got to, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like thoughts are going on inside this, the, the shell that is our body. So every thought we have is chemistry to some degree. And to think that the thought never impacted chemistry would be crazy now that I think about it. I'm like, it of course does. So I do think there's some degree of like, if someone's okay with being there, they are probably happy or happier than somebody who's constantly worried about what they look like, but they look healthier from the outside. I mean, we have countless stories of some of these physique competitors we're friends with and other people who are like, yeah, I looked good for a little bit, but I was fucking miserable. Exactly. I mean, so that's why I think <clears throat> the body thing doesn't, it's not really a factor because you got people that look great on the surface, but they're literally like dying inside. Like they have all type of issues going on with their hormones, just a ton of things that yeah. they manipulated so they can look a certain way. That's why I don't think you can look on the surface. But for myself in general, I think more so like, yes, I'm very strict and I'm very disciplined with the way I eat and the way I train. But mentally, I would probably float further to the unhealthy side than I would healthy because mentally, like, I feel like I'm stable, but the other things kind of like drive the wheel. Yeah, yes. and then you need the other things to be in line to feel good up top. Exactly. And even with those things in line, there's still frustration and there's constant thought behind those things. So there's really like no like break mentally about mm -hmm. what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, how long am I doing it? Like, do I need to get better at it? Like, how am I going to continue to progress in my running, my lifting? Like yeah. my mind is constantly working with that stuff. So I think people that don't go as far as I went down the road, it kind of saves themselves from being like unhealthy mentally. Dude, there's, it is a, it's an interesting point. Cause I was, 
I was in this spot from when I started lifting. I started lifting at 13, really, really young. Uh, six days a week, two hours a day for until about 20. And I mean, I didn't miss a week. Vacation, I, we went to a gym, that, a hotel that had a gym. It was all for football. I was like, I, I cannot miss this. But once you're in that routine, you, you get this like borderline psychosis that like if I miss something, something bad's going to happen. And the only reason I got like thrown out of that like negative, like I was objectively healthy. I was strong as shit for my age, but I was just so obsessed with making sure I got that two hours in six days a week that that probably wasn't healthy mentally. The only thing that took me out was getting into the exercise science and strength and conditioning program at UConn where we learned like, hey, if you take a week off, nothing bad happens. Like it's not a big deal. And I started doing it and I was still going out all the time, but I was that religious where even going out four or five nights a week in college, I was still going to the gym two hours a day. Other things would be sacrificed, like my schoolwork or something like that, but not the gym. And it was definitely mentally unhealthy, but it was going through formal education at a school that like really emphasizes the science behind this stuff that then taught me, I was like, oh, I can take a break. I can step back. And I started taking a break. And one of the first things I realized was like, I didn't even know how big I got. Like I thought I was still small. And I was all, I'm 5'8", 5'9". It was a 44-inch chest. It's disgusting. I was like thicker than I was tall. Suits looked awful on me. And it took me a month off to realize like, Oh God, I didn't even, I, it's not even the fact that I didn't want to be that big. It's the fact that, that at all those years, I didn't even know I got to that size. And meanwhile, like there's guys that are there all the time who are sizing themselves up to another guy in the gym. They have no idea how big they've gotten and they're never going to appreciate it because they just don't take a step back and look back. And I'm like, what do you, if you keep going down that rabbit hole, it's like the whole ambition cycle or, or money cycle. If there isn't an end point that you can define ahead of time and be like, Hey, I need to be happy with where I'm at at some point you're going to be in this, this spot of like this, this constant daily struggle of like stress and anxiety about it. Like you see it all the time with some of the clients we had at Equinox where it's like, they might have more money than anyone we've ever met, but they know someone richer than them. So they'll go, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going. And I'm like, it's kind of the same thing. Like you have to, at some point step back and say, all right, I've fucking crushed it. I am, I can do everything I want. I look fantastic. I am like as healthy as can be. Every blood marker is good. And I can, you know what? I can be happy with that for a day and take the day off and I'm good to go. And it really like, I don't think I would have gotten there without that perspective, but most of the people we interact with, like the people I work with, the other trainers are either stuck in that, like I need to work out all the time mentality or people are on the other side where they're just like not getting the benefits of exercise at all. There's very few people in the middle who are like, I'm exercising, enjoying it, progressing, but I'm not hooked on it. And then I'm also never falling off either. That's like a small niche of people that we interact with. And it's hard to get there. I mean, I had to get formal education for it, for it to happen. So, and I, can, I can't expect everyone else to get that done. So for the people out there who have a similar story to mine in the background, like it took me seven years of lifting before I realized I was bigger than I wanted to be. And I was spending too much time per week on something that was no longer adding improvement to my life aside from the joy I got out of lifting more weight. But um, long tangent there, but- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to kind of wrap things up more so is all of, to me is more so thinking about if you're always like working towards something as far as better health, it's never really about are you healthy now? It's more so to me, it's like, are you working towards being healthier than you are? Mm-hmm. And if you're always working towards being healthier than you are, then in my mind, you're healthy. And it can't just be on one or two different things. I feel like it has to be across the whole band of everything. Like for me, like right now, I feel like I need to work on being a little more mentally health, like stronger in that area. But that will require me being lesser, lesser in areas that I don't want to be lesser in. So it's like, it's like, it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough. But it's more so something that I'm thinking about more that I'm talking about it that 
if I, I won't lose anything by doing that. I may be able to gain more by not being as mentally frustrated with the things I'm dealing with. So when you think about the question we asked about, are you healthy? I want people to think about that in a way of, yes, maybe I'm not healthy, but what can I do to be moving towards like a healthier life? And it doesn't always have to be the most extreme thing. It just has to be getting better at things that you're not great at when it comes to eating, when it comes to being consistent with exercise and understanding what works for you and what will work for you in the long term. Because some people, they get on these like um, strict diets or these strict like workout plans that they're able to keep for about two months and then they fall back into their other. So it's like find something that you can maintain. I always tell people like, if you can find something you can do and be okay with doing it the rest of your life. Like I, the way I eat, I could eat like this the rest of my life with no issue. Oh, yeah. That's the whole, I mean, this is another tangent we go down, but the whole idea of this movement that we're going to find some diet that's just perfect for everyone. One day it's vegan, one day it's carnivore. I'm like, guys, that doesn't make any fucking sense. People don't even have the same workout plans and working out is way more predictable and uniform. Like we know people are going to respond to cardio the same way, basically. We know people are going to respond to strength training the same way. The way you and I respond to lettuce is going to be different, let alone every other fucking ingredient. The idea that we're going to find this one golden diet that's going to work for everyone when someone like you might care about having more muscle later on, that might come with a higher protein diet, maybe that increased risk of some things, but someone else is okay with being a little more frail, but living an extra five years. I'm like, those are two very different lifestyles. And this idea that like what I care about physically reflects on on a nutrition plan that works for me and also works for you when we care about different things physically, like doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think uh, the idea that you said, which is like, as long as you're constantly improving one aspect of your health, whether it's the physical side, the mental side, the social side that I like, the occupational side, because I would put in people's job, unfortunately, does have a lot to do with your health. Like if you do well at work, you get better access to healthcare and a system like we have here, that is very important. But as long as you're improving at least one of those corners, and then also noticing how they all intertwine and how some benefit or some areas help other areas get better. That to me is like you're, you're continuing the progress of living a long, fulfilled, healthy lifestyle. For sure. And understanding that like you can't, there's no way in no way you should be comparing what you think it looks like, what it should feel like compared to someone else. You, it always going to be, it's always going to be subjective to you and how, and what are you capable of doing? Because you, there's there's plenty of people that's not reaching what I would think would be their full potential of health, mm-hmm. but they've reached their own. You know what I mean? Like in a way, like they've done as much as they can do with trading off and sacrificing the things they're willing to sacrifice. I've just in certain areas, I'm just willing to sacrifice a little more because I'm 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 curious in a way to see like how good can I get at being. You know what I mean? I mean? How could I get? How successful can I get? I don't know. It's, it's still up for debate. Like I don't know. But that's my. At some point, you won't be able to sacrifice things. Like I, for me personally, I think about when I have kids and when I have do all this stuff. Like that stuff is gonna become more of a priority than it will be now, obviously. And I'm not gonna be able to have my same workout schedule. I may not be able to eat the same. But I have those years. I have those years of yeah. doing it to kind of back me and transition to me, whatever hiccups I may have dealt with. On the flip side, if you have years, and I see it with people that 
when they get kids, they were already living an unhealthy lifestyle. Now they have a very unpredictable schedule. They have not really time to cook. So mm-hmm. like they get further unhealthy because now they have all these hiccups along the road instead of it's because it's so much harder. So I'm saying while you have the most control, take control. <laughs> take definitely, definitely the best time to do it. I think I, one of my clients had been training for literally since my first day at Equinox. Had his first first baby, I think it was a year and a half ago. And he came to me like before it happened, he was like, I need to make sure my habits are good before she's born because it's only going to get harder from there. And he crushed it. Lost like I think 55 pounds or something like that in that time. Like did everything right. And no matter what, no matter how good you're on habits, kids are disruptive. And for good reason. Like they should take your energy. That's exactly the point. But I'm telling you, these type A people that we train, or he's not exactly type A, he's a very normal guy, but we tend to train people who are like of a certain degree of, I don't know, work ethic, at least in their job. And these people are incredibly disciplined in a lot of aspects of their life, but then a kid comes along the way and like they're incredibly, I mean, not undisciplined, but they fall off completely from the health side. And I'm like, if these kind of people, these folk who pay for training at this, this price point, this gym, and are so disciplined in all aspects of life, one kid throws them off, that should be a lesson for everyone else. Like it's not unheard of like these people are really really disciplined people and like this is another tangent but that's what kind of annoys me with like fitness tiktok fitness instagram people yell at people for being undisciplined i'm like we've trained at equinox some of the most disciplined people on earth they might not be as disciplined as you or i on working out but on every other aspect of their life they are incredible and i'm like these people can still struggle it takes a little bit more than discipline the environment matters and having things like kids like it's going to be disruptive and so as you said while you have control take the control now you might lose all of it with your first kid. You might fall back, but at least you'd be in a better spot than you were without it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what we got for today. I mean, and when people listen to this, so I just want them to think about <clears throat> whether they, what do they consider like their main priority when it comes to health? And is it, if it's something like physical or being better nutrition or just think about where you are on that journey with it and how you continue to get better at it? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, find out what your priorities are. And if you have questions on how working out or nutrition uh, can help you with those priorities, because trust me, they can. That's what me and Adrell are here for is we will build that connection for you from exercise or nutrition and how it impacts how you treat your kids, how you do your job, how you sleep, whatever it is. Yeah. So just let the I mean, kind of let all those things like play off of each other and kind of use one to kind of manipulate the other. Like my fitness is the way it is. But because of my nutrition, my nutrition, the way it is because of my fitness. Like they both are just important to each other. There was a bit of a move. I think back in the nineties and early two thousands, it was like, Oh, just work out. Don't worry about nutrition, which was wrong. Like you should also worry about nutrition, but then it's kind of swung a little too far the other way where it's like your health is defined by your nutrition, not your, and I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. The way we metabolize food has a lot to do with how we exercise. And like the first step should be exercise always. It has the biggest impact on longevity on every data level possible, aside from like just general caloric intake. Nutrition doesn't have a, a, a very linear data point to be like, okay, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Exercise should definitely come first. Like it should be the basis. For sure, because I don't even know, I don't even know how much I should eat if I didn't exercise. Everything I do is based on how much I exercise, literally. So I don't, I don't even know how to help people that are like, how do my they're like, how am I going to lose weight? Like, obviously, you can set your calories at a certain point where you lose weight. But it's like, how low are you willing to go instead of just increasing your output as overall? Like, oh, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's definitely something to think about when it 
when you see the episode and you think about the questions that we're asking about health and how you view things and what's important to you, definitely think about <clears throat> the things that you want to be better at and how you can get better at them. Thanks for tuning in and checking out today's episode on the Evolution Podcast. Have a blessed day, and I'll leave you with this. Regardless of who you are, what you have, life always has more for you. Keep evolving.